Well, it's my honor to be with you again for this Good Life at Your Place service. Thank you so much for joining us. And we are praying that God would do a miraculous and awesome work in our hearts and then through us that our world would be different. And so to get into that, we're going to get into God's word. And we've got the last installment of the series called Audacious Power. I think it's audacious that a God so massive, so powerful, so amazing would then save a wretch like me. But he doesn't just save a wretch like me and you. He includes us in on his plan to bring life and salvation and change and good to the planet. And he doesn't just go, well, off you go then, toodaloo and enjoy that journey. He goes, well, look, I'm going to come with you and I'm going to give you my power. It's audacious that God would include us, but it's audacious that his power would move in us and through us also. And so these words from the Bible that we're going to go through in just a second, they're coming to some disciples who have, who have seen a lot. This is after he's gone to the, uh, to the cross and he's died, he's gone to the grave and he's come back and restored them. And, but these disciples have seen a lot. They've seen the dead raised. They've seen a, an adulteress have her sins forgiven while she's naked in the middle of the street when everyone's trying to kill her with rocks. He's forgiven and restored her. There's, there's all sorts of things that have happened. One little boy's lunch got multiplied and, and, and fed a whole hillside filled with people. And in Mark chapter 5, there's this guy. They call him the demoniac, but his heart and his mind is a mess. And, and, and Jesus heals him. He lives in the cemetery. Jesus heals him by one contact point. His life is never the same again. People find him seated, uh, clothed, which means that previously he wasn't, and learning from Jesus. It's amazing that one contact point with the power of God means life is completely changed. And I feel that and I pray that that would be the same for you. Jesus restores all of his disciples. They've seen all of this. And he says these words in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. So making disciples means that first we've got to be a disciple. It's a fully devoted follower of Christ, someone that says, I want to follow Jesus with all of my heart, all of my everything. Jesus is not a lean-to on the side of the building of my house. No, he is the foundation. He is the penthouse. Everything is built on him, and he is the covering over everything. My life is Christ's and every decision from that point. And he says, well, now if you're going to follow Jesus with all of your heart, therefore go and make disciples. To be a disciple, a follower of Christ, is to not have a head full of knowledge about what Jesus would do, but to actually do it. The closer you get with God, the more you get his heart for other people. And every time the scriptures teach us how to follow Christ, it's always got an orientation towards others. And so Jesus says, in this point, go and make disciples, help other people be fully devoted followers of Christ. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, this is the last words before he heads back to heaven. And he's off. He's he's going off. And he says these words, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So the Holy Spirit is a helper, a friend, a strength, a mentor. Uh, He's invisible, but so are you. The key parts of you are invisible. I mean, you can see me here today and that's my arm, but it's not as key as my heart and my thoughts and my mind. You can't see that. I can't see it with you. And the key parts of you are invisible and the invisible nature of God connects with your invisible nature with God. And his spirit, his Holy Spirit empowers you, gives you power. That word is 
dunamis. The Greek word is dunamis. That that part of the Bible was originally written in Greek. And so the, the Greek word is dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamic. It's powerful. And, uh, and last week with Good Life at Your Place, we delved into that and what it means. It's that God wants to move in and through you with the, the condition of your soul, your, your, your moral strength, but also then through you that miracles would work through you. So to go and make disciples, God goes, I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit. So there's an audacious power right there. Uh, what you find there from that point is that they gather in unity. The disciples gather in unity. They are united on God's plan. And so they pray. And then in Acts chapter 2, you're going to find the day of Pentecost comes. Now, the day of Pentecost was a Jewish feast. All of the believers, all the Jews are in Jerusalem. It was one of those pilgrimage moments and everyone's in. And while the believers that have been praying for days now and the Holy Spirit pours out on them on the day of Pentecost. And so what happens is there's some pretty wild scenes, some signs of God moving in and through their life. But the, one of the greatest things is that they can't contain it in the house and it spreads out into the streets. And the day that everyone's from all those different nations and different languages come in and they hear from these randoms. These people that have been praying up in an upper room, it spills out in the streets and they can hear the praises of God in their own language. And so in the day of Pentecost, God reaches out. It's amazing. Even the power of the Holy Spirit is to be able to reach others, it's to be able to help others on their next step with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 through 39, Peter um, starts to preach. And at the end of that preach, and it's a Awesome, awesome sermon. You can read into it, but from verse 38 and 39, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. What a great promise. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There he is. The promise is for you and for your children. Some people believe that the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit finished with the apostles. And this right here tells us that it's available for us because it doesn't just say for you and for your children. For all who are far off, there's, there's no boundaries to God's love and God's spirit who wants to move in and through his children. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Um, from Acts chapter 2, from verse 42 through 47, there's this great picture of a church that's now based upon uh, the spirit of God, great generosity, great miracles. When a believer lays hands upon the sick, the Bible says that they will recover they were united. They devoted themselves to the doctrine and the fellowship of the leaders that God had put in that church. And all of a sudden, this thing went like wildfire. They met in large groups every day. They met in small groups. They broke bread from house to house every day. And they had favor, one-on-one -on -one favor. They were reaching people that were not yet Christians and they're also encouraging people that were Christians. See, the whole thought of when I become a disciple, it helps me make disciples through the power of the Holy Spirit is evident in this community. If you read through that, I read it and I'm like, my spirit comes alive. I think I want to be a part of something like that. I, I want to lead a community like that. I want to encourage Christians to live that way. And could you imagine the world seeing Christianity when we lived it that way, when we included others and lived with the power of God in us and through us, it would be absolutely remarkable. And so you're going to find that to be a disciple, I'm going to follow God. But then to make disciples, I'm always going to get God's heart for other people. And so if I fail 
in that step of receiving his heart and then taking it to other people, encouraging, loving, serving those that don't yet know Jesus and helping them take another step towards him. I'm not forcing, I'm helping, I'm coming alongside. What about those that are Christians and being involved and actually helping them take a step? That's actually receiving the heart of God and then outworking it. It always works out in relation to other people. This is a great idea from God that his Holy Spirit would pour out. But then then, then after the day of Pentecost, well, they disperse. It's called the diaspora. They, they head out. They go back to their hometown. And, and, and I think, well, they're not trained. So they take faith. They take Christianity back. They're, they're, they're Jews from far-flung places with, with some pretty wild communities and societies. And it's a brutal, barbaric time. You're, t- you're talking uh, 2,000 plus years ago. You're like, man, this is wild places. And we haven't even given these people growth track to know what to do. Like... Do they know their gift analysis? And do they know their personality type? And do they know the vision, values, and culture of Good Life Church? Like, could we do that? And Jesus is actually really okay with anyone giving it a shot. Now, I think training is helpful. I think training gives parameters and gives riverbanks. But in this case, you find out that God's heart is that all would know him. And so it's like, let's, let's let it go. They come in and then they receive the Holy Spirit. Now they're going out. They receive Jesus. Out they go. And so you find for the rest of the New Testament, there's people doing traveling and 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 and, and going out to all those different churches, all the different places. And faith has gone out. There's letters going out. There's so many letters in the New Testament going, hey, do this and don't do that and beware of this and watch out for this. In Acts chapter 15, there's a letter that they send from the council in Jerusalem out to all of these people that have got faith and they're taking it out to the world. And they went, look, we're going to tell you just, look, there's a bunch of things we could tell you, but just watch out for these three things. Number one, don't drink blood, which if you have to write that, it means that, yeah, that's what they were doing. Some There's some people out there that when it came to communion time, they, well, look, it got pretty wild. Obviously, don't eat food offered to idols. All right, well, fantastic. And abstain from sexual immorality. Mate, sleep with your own wife, not someone else's is what they're saying. You think, man, they, they totally missed growth track and all of the discipleship along the way. But that's what Christianity is all about. It's about every single one of us giving it a go, whether we feel qualified or not. And it shows me now that in that journey that we can do this together and encourage each other. And it sounds like Good Life Church, which has gone from one church in one location now to five with a heart to reach more and more cities. And we don't want to boil this down to as easy as possible. What I would do is I want to lift the lid because the Spirit of God gives every person the opportunity and the privilege and the journey and the adventure and short stretch. And there's going to be some difficult times, but we get to be a part of actually working with God. Let him work in us and through us. And what I find is two really key things. Number one is we've got to understand God's choice. God's choice. Acts chapter 2 and verse 39, when it said that gift, that promise of salvation and the Holy Spirit, it's for all. It's for you. It's for your children. For all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God would call. You are called by God and that and that uh, promise of salvation, that promise of the Holy Spirit to work in and through you. God chooses all. This is it, The qualifications are that you're his child. And he goes, I include you in on that. It, it, it's amazing. I, I, I find that 
odd because sometimes I go, God, you would trust me? I, I know my weaknesses. I know where I came from. And 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 28 kind of explains why he works with everyone, why he works with people that are broken, why he works with people that are not quite got it, why he works with people with insecurities and fears and failures and, 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 and hurts, why he works with those. It says right here, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world, chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Or one translation says to confound the wise. Uh, God chose the weak things of the world to confound or to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. God's choice is you. And how many times do you think your weakness or your failings or your mistakes disqualify you? They don't. This shows me that it actually qualifies you. It, it, it qualifies you. Even that demoniac that we talked about from the tombs and the, the guy that was seated at, like Jesus chose that guy. They went across the lake. They faced all sorts of peril getting across the lake there in Mark chapter 4 and 5 to get across to be, to connect with this just one person. Jesus says, I'm going to leave the 99 to chase after the one. I feel like one of those ones that God chased after. I'm like, why would you do that? He believes in you. So the difference between the demoniac's life at first and where it ended up, the answer, the power of God. So it's not just in what he said or how he said it. It's the fact that how the heck could a guy that comes from that situation be able to do that? And people go, it must be God. That's how God works. He's showing off with you and through you. God's call actually is never taken back off you. He picks you and then he seals it with his calling and his giftedness. Romans 11 and chapter 11 and verse 29, same author book of romans but to a different people group the people in rome the people from first corinthians are in corinth these are these letters that i was talking about sending out these letters and teaching them how to do it paul the same guy writes this for the gifts for god's gifts and his call are irrevocable remember the call the promise is for all but his gifts for you and on you are irrevocable so no matter what you do with them those gifts are actually from god he doesn't take them back off and I know people, friends of mine, that have made moral failings, but yet the giftedness remains. And I go, God, why would you do that? Well, it's because his gifts are irrevocable. God's choice is you and your brokenness. Even when you make mistakes, God says, I'll pick you. He goes, I'm going to show off through you. Would you actually be on this journey of allowing the power of God to work in you and then through you? And so therefore we as a part of his team, as his choice, what we do is we love others when we follow the pattern of Acts chapter 2 and we gather together. So right now, we're doing church gathered kind of in a scattered way because of the government restrictions. But next week, we're giving it a shot. At each Good Life campus, we're gathering in the building together. 
and you will need to register. You will need to jump on the website. I'm sure they'll be telling you on the update how to do that and it'll be all over social media, but I encourage you to come and be a part of that as we do Church Gathered next week on November the 15th. But the week after that, we're doing Church Scattered again. I'm gonna ask you, no matter how we do the gathering, whether it's in buildings or on screens in homes, don't miss what God wants to do because he's choosing you. Could you imagine what God could do in you and through you as we gather as his church, no matter what it looks like? So sometimes we're gathered and sometimes we're scattered. And sometimes the church is in the wild when you're off at work or you're off at school or with your family and there's no other good lifers around and you are the one shining. You're at the gym, you're with sporting team, you're you're in your neighborhood and with your street and you are the one in the wild going, Jesus, you've done something in me. I'm a disciple and I want to help others be a disciple. Whether they're Christian or not, I'm going to help them take their next step step because that's what a disciple does. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to move in me and through me. So you've got to realize that if this is going to work, you're God's choice. The second thing you've got to realize is God's power. Romans 11 and 29, when he says for God's gifts and his call it irrevocable, his giftedness, man, well, that's, that's the power that comes in and through that. Those gifts are not revoked. 1 Corinthians 1 and 29 off the back of what I said in regards to, hey, uh, that, that there's many called, not many of you are wise and not many strong and all that kind of stuff. He's saying, look, I'll choose the, the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. It finishes the verse with, so that no one may boast before him. The power of God is his. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you'll receive power, dunamis, dynamic power for God to move in you and through you so that you can have an internal victory so that you could work, walk externally with victory and help other people. The power of God is alive. His presence is strong and he is for you. If you'd say, you know what? I trust I'm God's choice and nothing that I've done can disqualify me from that. So I bring my heart back and I'm going to repent of the things that have that have come in the way. But then I'm going to say, God, I, you're, you're my choice and, and I'm your choice, Lord God. Let your power now work in and through me. And when I do that, I realize that he's actually got these gifts. And in 1 Corinthians, it unpacks them. We're back to 1 Corinthians. Paul writing a letter. That's how it works, right? He's got to get the word out. He's got to teach them. He's got to train them. They're they're dispersed everywhere. And he goes, look, this is how it works. And 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 is a great, great study to work out the gifts and the power of God that's at work. And there's a range of gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12. Then he talks about how the body works together. No matter what your giftedness, how we're going to work together. Don't think you're too good. Because remember, the gifts came from God. It's not you. (laughs) You're his choice and his gifts are his power. But it's going to be someone else and they do something differently. Don't think of yourself too highly than you ought. How about we work together? Now in chapter 13, it's all about love. This is what love's like. This is the conditions of love. This is what love outworks like in the world. And then chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, well, then we're talking about the structure and the heart behind the love and the gifts. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 of God's plan and his power that would be outworked through love at every opportunity. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 talk about how the Holy Spirit in your heart is going to change the way that you speak it's going to change your uh it's going to change your outlook in life um and so it's interesting even that demoniac that we talked about in in mark chapter 5 
his speech changed. When, when Jesus first comes, he's like, I know you've come to, you've come to torment me. And, and by the end of that, he's like, Jesus, teach me more. He actually says, Jesus, I want to follow you. Within one day, this guy's life is completely, completely changed. When the Holy Spirit works in you, it redeems the way that you see and therefore the way that you speak. In verse 4 through 6, you're going to find um, that he's talking about a whole bunch of different variety of gifts and applications. There's different ways that it works and there's different ministries and different gifts, but it's God who distributes all in all. Verse 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. So remember, it comes from God. It's You're not the special one. He is. You don't have the power. It's His. But this is how it works. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It's actually for everyone. Remember we said that whole deal of being a disciple equals actually others focused the power of god now works in you so you're his choice now his power is all about that whole purpose of making disciples being a disciple is not about having a head full of knowledge but how can i help another human being take their step towards jesus christ and the power of god is on you to help that journey if you've got that heart you can take that journey the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good and it goes on, it lists a whole bunch of gifts in verses 8 through 11. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. Uh, to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And so there's different types of giftedness. There's a bunch of them. There's about five of them, which is all about just hearing God. God, what are you saying in this particular way? A gift of a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom or prophecy or or to be able to discern spirits, or to be able to interpret someone's speaking in tongues. That's just hearing God, but with a certain bent, a certain angle. And, and God's that uh, clever. He's that creative that he can give people, even though it's just hearing God. Well, in that angle, it means this. And this is a certain giftedness. God is showing off in you and then through you to the world. It's amazing how God works and includes us. Um. From verses 12 through, it starts to talk about that there's many parts and many gifts, but we're one body. And then this of God's power that works through this giftedness. If you go through chapter 13, remember I said it's all about love. But chapter 14 now opens up and verse 1 says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Now, why would he do that? It's because verse 12 says, so it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. The whole point of the power of God is that God includes you on his plan to bring good to the world. That we would make disciples of all the nations. That I would be alongside Jesus. That every time I step out and I realize, man, it's not me, God's too good that I trust in him and that someone else gets to see God through the simple fact that I'm not that good, but he is that good. And so if I seek after God for his gifts and I say, God, here's my heart, 
Here's my life, God. I'm your choice, Lord God, but I ask for your power. Then I ask for his giftedness on because I want to shine his love to the whole, whole world. So I'm going to use my gifts to excel in those that build up the church. I'm going to especially desire gifts of the Spirit that help strengthen, encourage, and comfort other people. That demoniac, Mark chapter 5, that guy who's had the massive life turn around, he says to Jesus, can I follow you? I, I want to follow after you. Can I come after you? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Great heart, mate, but we need you on this side of the lake. I need you to go and tell all the people that you know just how good God is and what God's done in and through your life. And what the guy did is he now, he had the gift of God now to share that. And he became amazingly influential. Could you imagine that guy? I once was lost, but now I'm found. But this guy wasn't just lost. He was messed up in his head and his heart and living in the cemetery. They couldn't contain him. This guy was absolutely messed up. The transformation was remarkable and it showed how good God is. And he knew it. And so he stepped out. And he went, the Bible says, right throughout the Decapolis, preaching the word of God and showing them just what Jesus had done. Doesn't matter how many mistakes, doesn't matter how messed up, doesn't matter how problematic your past. Jesus says, I want to choose you and I want my power to work through you. Come on, let me pray for you. Come on, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move upon my feet. Come on, just close your eyes. Lift your hands before God. It's an act of surrender. Right where you're at right now, the Holy Spirit wants to pour out on you and then through you. He wants the best for you. There's some healing for your heart, but then also there's the power of God. There's a gift for you to outwork, to be able to help and to strengthen and encourage and comfort other people. You're going to receive gifts that then you're going to be able to um, be able to help and build up his church and build up his people and build disciples and reach people that don't yet know him or people that do know him and just need to continue to get strengthened as a disciple. Come on. I want to believe God that his Holy Spirit would move in and through your life. Holy Spirit, right now that you would move on my friends, I pray right where they're at, no matter where they're watching. God, I pray an encounter with the living God, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord God, that you would move in dunamis, in power, in us and then through us. And I thank you, God, that you move your power in us first. Because if we don't, then potentially those gifts, the calling, that if we don't let you move in us first, then potentially what's on us could crush us. So I pray a strengthening of resolve, a strengthening of faith, Lord God, a strengthening of our hearts with you, Lord God, and that as we grow personally with you, Lord God, that we would grow in the giftedness as well. God, I pray, Lord God, your spirit to move on every person in Jesus' name. It is amazing. God's power wants to work in you first before he works through you. It's very easy to get good at something because God gifted you with that. And then to think you're, well, you're bigger than you really should. That's why his power has got to work in us before he works through us. Because what's on us could crush us. And God doesn't want that for you. And I don't want that for you either. You want God to work in you first for four reasons. Real quick. Number one. So you will take humble and serving first steps. Why do you want God to work in you before you start to move in these giftedness? Well, because you want to take humble and serving first steps. That you would be teachable. 
that you would be discipled. Before you go and make disciples, you've got to be in some form of a relationship. That's why we do connect groups and watch parties. That's why you've got awesome pastors at Good Life Church, because we want to help you be a disciple that makes disciples. But very hard to release someone in the name of Good Life Church that is not humble and teachable. This is why God needs to do a work in and through us, that we would take humble and serving first steps. The second thing, the second reason why we need God to work in us before through us is that so you'll orient your service towards serving others and not self. So easy to fall into that trap. The third reason is so that you would always know that the power is God's and not yours. And then the fourth one is so he can orchestrate when you can't see his grand plan. You know how many times I've felt God call me or direct me to do certain things, and I'm like, I don't know why, but I'm just going to serve God. And somewhere down the track, I go, wow, God, you knew exactly what you were doing. Figures, doesn't it? He can orchestrate when you can't see his plan if you'd only allow God to work in your life before he works through your life. Do you know that guy in Mark chapter 5? That guy who was previously living in the cemetery and he has a life change with Jesus and he asked Jesus, can I follow you? And Jesus says, no, 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 tell everyone. Tell everyone you know. And he goes to the Decapolis. The Decapolis, I used to think was a town called Decapolis, but it's not a town called Decapolis. Um, it's got the, the Roman letters D-E-C, which means 10. So it was actually a, a, a region of 10 towns that he went to. And everyone knew about the weird, freaky guy from the cemetery and his life was, you're that guy? He went everywhere he possibly could. He went to one of the, it was just on the other side from where God was moving. But these people on this side of the lake that he was from, they're all heathens. This was not liked. But, and so God goes across for this one guy. And in one generation, the whole side of the lake, 10 towns gets evangelized. He goes into all the world and makes disciples in Jesus' name through one person that the Holy Spirit worked in. Then he worked through. And then because God had worked in him, he realized my heart, your heart, God, is for others. So I want my heart for others. And that whole side of the lake gets evangelized. Fast forward from that point, 37 years. And then the city of Jerusalem was destroyed and all its people scattered. And early uh, church time historians tell a story. This is recorded many times in early church history. They tell the story about just before the destruction of Jerusalem, there were Christians living in Jerusalem. And these were the Christians that 37 years earlier had seen the move of the Holy Spirit. They'd allowed God to move in them and through them. But just before the destruction of Jerusalem, they had a word from God. They had a warning, a visitation, and they were directed to get out. So the Jerusalem Christians who had seen all of that, were warned by God and they escaped. I was reading this this week. They escaped to a place called Pella in a historically heathen area. And at that point, they were received by some Christians in that area. And faith in that region of Jerusalem, even though Jerusalem was, was, was absolutely destroyed, Christians in the region were kept strong because the Christians were warned and they got out to a place called Pella in a historically heathen place and they were received by Christians and faith was kept. It was held as a remnant. God had a plan. These people in Pella 
had received Christ because they were one of the ten towns of the Decapolis. Because Jesus went across the lake and he met a guy. The guy's life was changed and Jesus said, come on, you receive the power now to go and help others. It meant that something that no one saw coming 37 years later was the assurance of faith for that whole region, was the protection and the preservation of God's people decades later. Why? Because God works in us and God works through us. And he has the power to orchestrate things through us that we can't see in his plan. What you're setting up for your life is nothing compared to what you're setting up for generations to come. What you're doing in your church right now is nothing compared to what God is going to do in and through us over the next generations and the decades to come. What happens in your city right now, the seeds are being sown right now. And if we would say, God, let your power move in me so it can move through me, then God orchestrates things that we can just go, God, I trust you. God, I'm serving you. God, I'm still struggling with that person at my work, that family member. I'm trying to love them. I'm trying to help them see you. I'm doing all my best. I'm trying to be generous. It just doesn't seem to work. But God, you keep on sending me to these people. Why? It's because God is orchestrating something remarkable. There's people watching on that you don't even know. There's Christians that are watching on that you can't even see are being inspired by you. There's family members that you're praying for and and you're speaking to them. They've got walls up, but secretly they're like, wow, your faith is strong and you're inspiring them. God orchestrates when we realize you're his choice that he works through his power in you, not yours, because his plan is bigger. He can do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or think according to the power, the dunamis, that is at work in you. Father, today, would you pour out your dunamis on my friends? Father, today, would you pour out your power God, your power that we would be strong in our faith and we would be strong in our resolve. We'd be strong in the Lord, but God, also in your mighty power that we would take your word to the world, that we would take your love to the world, Lord God, that we would go, like you said, and make disciples. God, I pray, Lord God, for remarkable gifts. Lord God, not gifts that make us look brilliant, but gifts that edify the church, the gifts that build up the church. We want to excel in those kinds of gifts that, that strengthen and encourage and comfort other people to either find you or to continue to grow in you and to be fruitful, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that the seeds that you're building, Lord God, for every good lifer, for every campus, for every Christian, Lord God, would be things that are growing into our future. Maybe things we can't, we won't see with our own eyes, Lord God, but you are building something remarkable. Let your spirit pour in us and then pour through us as individuals, God, but as a church. It's our honor to serve you. Let your audacious power seal your audacious plan. God, through some ordinary people, God, it's our privilege and honor to serve you. And to be filled with your spirit. And then to take your power to the world to shine brightly. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you don't know that Jesus. That Jesus that healed and saved and transformed that guy's life. That Jesus that orchestrates great things. Then I would encourage you. There's a simple prayer to say yes to Jesus. 
And maybe you don't know him and today's the first day to pray that prayer. Or maybe you have known him and it's time to come back and rededicate to him. How about you pray this prayer with me to make that the greatest thing that could ever happen for you this day and start or reinitiate that journey with him. Just pray it like this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you love me and you showed it when you sent Jesus Christ to come to the earth and show me how to live. And Jesus, you died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I thank you so much that you did that and that you include me in your family. I ask you to come into my heart to be the savior of my life. Today, I make you Lord of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name.